it is good to be back with you guys. Um, it has been a long three months without English worship, so my heart is full. And other white people, my heart is full. Um, brown people are good too, but it's just it's just a different world. Um, so. We are so happy to be back with you. We thought about giving you like a glimpse into like what a church service is like in India, but you would be sitting on the floor. You'd be separated by men and women. Um, it would take about three hours and you wouldn't understand a single thing. So we, I took all of that on for you. So um, we're gonna spare you that and uh, we have some greeting words for you. Okay. Honey, I forgot. Uh, Shalem has lost all of his English, which is very <laughs> unfortunate yeah. for me and for you. But lucky for you, my Telugu is like tip-top shape. I mean, we're still getting there, but it's it's really good. So uh, let's let's try that again. Okay. Uh, praise the Lord, brothers and sisters, in the name of Christ. I am so happy to be with you here today. So we missed Christmas and New Year's. Um, so we hope you had a good one. And with it being a new year, are you, do you feel new? Do you feel old? What do you feel like? Chala Santoshima have to be. Modatiga, Nathanri and Ace to Christ and Amaniki Wandanali Chelistunanu. First of all, we thank God for his goodness allowing us to be here with you today. And second of Rondo Sari. Rondo Sari, Pastor Sean Gariki, Ichina opportunity buddy. And for Brother Sean for supporting us so well and always giving us the opportunity to share about our lives. Third, we thank our TAC family for praying for us and supporting us. Uh, we're thankful for you. <laughs> Very good. Like, yes, good translation. Good translation. Yeah. Uh, oh, we saw many of your prayers answered that we had asked for before. We had safe travels. Uh, we had good health while we were there. And most importantly, we saw the gospel preached, we saw God glorified, we saw baptism happen, and it was just a wonderful trip. And we're glad to be back in Reading and back home safe. And we're alive. And we're alive. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So clearly my Telugu is still a bit rusty, but um, thanks for bearing with us. Um, in my opinion, we would not be real missionaries if we didn't start with some graphs and some charts that no one can really wrap their mind around. They'll be mind-blowing, but will we really understand them? Maybe, maybe not. So uh, first up, we want to talk about the uh, religious affiliations in India. Um, as you can see, 79.8% are Hindus. We got some Muslims, 
some Christians, some Sikh, and then some others. Um, but all jokes aside, you do see that the Christian population in India is 2.3%. Um, and so, not joking, I mean, India is a place that needs Christ and needs the gospel and needs to know that there's only one true God, right? There's like 30,000? 300 million? 300 million. Um, just a little bit more, 300 million gods. Um, and you do your whole life, you spend your whole life to please them, to find you know, good with all of these different gods, but we serve one true God. Um, and then the second chart up here, we have the population growth rate from 1950 to 2021. So mind-blowing. Go ahead and consult Google if you want to know more about that <laughs> mind-blowing chart of the growth rate of India. You want me to yeah. All right. Uh, we're not going to use the charts and all these things. You, if you want to know about India, what's happening, there are so many ministries that have done the work and uh, how uh, God is working in India. And you can, as Grace said, you can always look about India and what God is doing there. However, I'm not going to talk about India uh, right now, but I'm going to talk. You're probably wondering, Okay, where did the Shalem go and Grace went and who are they? Probably some of them might know about us and some of them may not know. So I was wondering, I'm going to share just a little bit and uh, because uh, I don't know how much time I usually tend to speak longer than what I expect to. <laughs> so I try to be very short and so that we can move on further. Uh, so I'm a third generation uh, of being a Christian. And our ministry, usually many of you know that the Shalem Gospel Ministry, that is a short form. The real name of our ministry is Christian Indigenous Shalem Gospel Churches. Uh, by the time I finish the sentence, people are usually lost. So I usually say Shalem Gospel Ministries, um, which is because we do have a Shalem Ministries in ours. Uh, however, it has been started by my grandfather um, when he was 17 years old. Just to give a little glimpse about my grandfather, how he came to the Lord is a very radical. He was a rebel when he was growing up, and he's lost his father when he was two years old, brought up by his mother and a grandfather, and didn't have an education, he went to third grade, and got into big fights when he was young, went to the military. Uh, then he got sick in military. He went to the military, the reason, because he was in fighting and people wanted to kill him. So he went to the military, and he was there for three years, and he was sent back because he was sick. And when he came back, and the village was calmed down, and things have slow down. So while he was uh, in the village, he didn't have any job, no education. He was roaming around. And one of the nights, there are three gospel nights meeting. One of the missionary came to his village and had a, in the middle of the village. Uh, first two days, he did not want to go. He's like, ah, they're coming and Christian people are doing it. But on the third day, Holy Spirit led him. He has to go. So he went and sat back. And by the end of the sermon, he was on the floor. And the pastor thought, oh, he's the one drunk man came and just sat and fell on the ground. And he said, hey, wake up, time to go home. And he was sobbing and crying. And he said, I never heard, I want to know about this Jesus. I never heard anybody saying that they love me and that somebody died for me on the cross that he's loved me so much. So that had changed his message and he said, I want to know more. And he just followed the pastor just like disciples follow Jesus. It's amazing. I mean, it is a true, it's amazing story. Just hear from my grandfather itself, like, like how disciples followed with his same shirt and pant. I mean, nothing holding him back. So, and he went, pastor carried his suitcase, washed his clothes, and just was under his feet and learning. 
how whatever uh, God was teaching him and in the ministry. And when he was 19 years old, uh, he established a small church in the where we are right now. It's called Siddipate. And eventually by 23, 24, he was married. It's married. He didn't pick his wife. The pastor who picked the wife for him, that this is a good wife. You have to marry her. He's like, okay. <laughs> so he married her and had a four kids, four sons. My dad is the eldest one. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's how God started our ministry radically, amazingly. And all the four sons are pastors. Everybody's in the ministry. And my father is the oldest one. And God, my father also had education. He had masters in commerce. And he resigned his job, came to the ministry in uh, 1987 uh, when he was got married at the time. And by 89, I was born. And I would say that my grandfather's prayers and my father's prayers and, you know, father's prayers have put me in, you know, in, still I'm in the faith and one willing to follow what God has laid by how my God has called my grandfather into the ministry. So this is just a slipknot how, and it started with five people in a small church. Now we have 300 congregations in our, in India, in different states, and we have almost 100 pastors. We are working with them, and praise God. Uh, God has been blessing our ministry, and it's growing God is doing miracles. God is working in people's heart. And people are coming to know the Lord in the midst of, you know, persecution, in the midst of from families, societies, and all that's happening. Uh, this just a little bit. And we have a small video of uh, our ministry. So in India, ministry, when I say ministry, it's not a different entity. Family and ministry are one. So it's almost like, how do you say it? It's a family business, if you put it away. So you cannot take the ministry from the family. So we have a small a video. I thought I've cried enough this week, and clearly I haven't. Um, <laughs> I can't watch that video without seeing what another culture brings. It is hard, and it is good. It is difficult, and it is beautiful all at the same time. And that, I mean, that's exactly what you see is this, this vibrant land of colors and people and cultures and food and that nothing can replace that. Um, nothing can replace experiencing another person's world, um, but it also comes with its own challenges, right? Um, saying yes to raising a family in another culture has been the hardest and the easiest decision of my life. Thus far, I know I'm young, I know I probably got a lot to face, don't get me wrong, <laughs> but it has been one of the hardest and the easiest. Um, it's hard because, let's talk about the language barrier. You sit in a church service for three hours and you have no idea what's happening. Prayer meetings, weddings, family gatherings. If I was lucky, during not lucky, but during a church service, me and my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law would sit in the back row. And occasionally, if I was really curious, you know, most of the time I raise my hands when they raise their hands, and I smile when they smile, and you kind of follow social cues. But occasionally, you know, when like Shalem was preaching or someone else, I would lean over and I'd say, you know, what are they talking about? Jesus. Well, <laughs> I probably could have figured that one out, you know. <laughs> so we talked about Jesus every Sunday, which was, it was good. Um, and then another hard part was you kind of speak when spoken to. That was something that was kind of a culture shock coming back. Um, 
family gatherings. My family does, our family speaks a little bit of English, but even Shalem will say, you know, well, we were telling a joke. I can't translate to you in the middle of a joke. It's going to kill the joke, you know? So, so you sit there and, um, you know, the saying of like, you're surrounded by people yet you still feel alone. Um, I felt like that often where I'm surrounded by people and smiling faces, um, but yet, why do I feel so alone? And a lot of that is the language barrier, which is really, really difficult. That's why it's hard. It's easy because God has truly given me a heart for learning, and I realized that this trip. Um, a couple of our previous trips, I always felt kind of under a microscope. You know, I felt like I was being put to the test. Grace, do you know how to say this? Hey, Grace, can you make chicken curry? Do you know how to do the rice? Can you do this? Can you greet this person? Do you remember this person's name? Uh, no. Um, and it was really, really disappointing the last couple times we went. But this time, I just felt, I felt God take that away. I didn't feel judged. I didn't feel like I was always um, being questioned. Maybe I was, but I didn't feel it. So, hey, who can't, like, I don't care if you're judging me. I just want to learn. And it truly was amazing to see the ways that um, I was able to really pick up some of the language and um, really blend in in a little, in a little bit of a way. Um, and then the other thing is you don't need language to give someone a hug or to smile across the room. Um, they say that, you know, children are sometimes the best teachers, and it was beautiful. I had stress knots up and down my whole entire body, worrying about my children and how they were going to do and how they were going to adjust. I tell people I should have been worried for myself, not the children, because they are, I mean, the language of laughter and of joy and of play, and it is so beautiful to see that. And I even got to experience that some myself, where it's kind of like, you don't know what I'm saying, and I don't know what you're saying, but like we can laugh and we can share a meal together. And language, you don't need language for any of that. And that was just really, really beautiful. Oh boy, uh, another culture is hard because of child rearing, of relationships, of different uh, cultural values, and how all of that is structured. Uh, before, I think it was like maybe a couple weeks into the trip, I was texting Becky Erickson and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. How, you know, and. I'm trying to teach my kids one thing and the culture's teaching them a different thing, whether it be discipline or manners or whatever that be. And she said, you just need to pray that God shows you what's important and then just stick with that. Like, this is what God has given me as important. The rest of it can kind of go by the wayside, right? Uh, so I quickly found out that three meals a day is not important. Um, dessert after dinner not important. Um, a specific nap schedule, not important. Like all of these things, I learned we're going to go with the flow. If you eat something today, we're good, right? Drink a little bit of water, eat something. If you're not complaining, we're good. But you know the saying, oh, it takes a village to raise a kid. Well, what do you do when your village has different values and your village wants to feed your kid chocolate all day long and your village wants to wake your child up from their nap and no one teaches you those things about the village trying to raise your child with you. <laughs> so if I ever start a seminar sometime, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and marriages, you know, I, I knew a little bit, but uh, India is predominantly arranged marriages. They would consider our marriages a love marriage, you know, you choose. And that has an effect when we are over there. This is gonna sound so like piddly and little, I'm sure, but there's no like displays of affection. There's no, you know, a handhold, a gentle touch on the arm, a, a nice compliment, uh, words of affirmation aren't really a thing over there, you know, so I'll ask my father-in-law, we would be sitting there and I have a sister-in-law who's also American, so Shalem has a brother and a sister and his brother married an American. So we'll have fun, you know, sitting there and be like, oh, you know, we'll talk to, we call our father-in-law, Nana. Nana, when was the last time you told mummy that you liked her cooking? I don't know, you know, when was, you know, so just all of these, the little things that I guess kind of maybe I speak for me personally, but that build me up and show me that I'm doing a good job. They just, they aren't there in society, you know, please and thank you aren't a thing because that's too formal. We don't say please and thank you. That's a big formality. So love is just assumed. And the fact that you're doing a good job in your role is just assumed. So why would I tell you that you're doing a good job? It's just there, right? That messes with your mind. Um, <laughs> So all of that has an effect on the way that I raise my kids and the relationship that I have with my husband and with other people. Um, and it's very difficult, but it's also the easiest because I have a husband that loves and supports me and is following God's call. And that makes it absolutely worth it when you have someone right beside you that says, we're going to figure this out together, and it's not going to be easy. Um, and yes, you need to go make the chai and serve me, but <laughs> you're doing a good job. <laughs> We're working on that one. <laughs> Just tell me you love me. Right? Maybe I'm the only one. Maybe I'm the only one. Oh, this has been the hardest and the easiest decision of my life. It's hard because I don't want to be a missionary, okay? Um, I don't want to go to Nevada. I didn't want to go to India. Like, just send me to Reading, right? Like, just let me live in my little white house with my chickens and let me be a missionary here. Show me. I'll, I'll go witness, right? Um, but that's not how God works, right? And so... I was thinking about that song, like, Laura and the songs that you choose. Um, I surrender. And just these moments, you know, I, I had this moment with God about a year ago where it was, no, we're staying here. We're staying here. We have a family. We're living the American dream. Why would we give all of that up for something else? And I had this I surrender moment in my car where it was like, I'm done. I'm done digging my heels in. And I'm done fighting, like, I'll go, and so I'll put my heart on the altar again and again and again and again. And it is so hard ripping your heart out and saying, okay, God, here it is again. But that's the choice that I get to make, right? And that is what makes this the easiest choice of my life is because God. Because God is faithful, and I have to believe, even if I don't always feel it, I have to believe that when I trust and obey, that there's nothing more important than that. And that that is the most important thing and that he will provide. Amen. And it sucks because three months later, <laughs> <laughs> 
three months later, I'm saying, God, what's the purpose in all of this? Why am I here? Why, why do I show up to church in India week after week? And why do I sit in these prayer meetings when I have no idea what's going on? How is this feeding me, right? The whole me mentality. What am I getting out of this? How is it feeding me? And in true God fashion in my life, I don't really understand until months later, right? After you've had to walk through it, after you've had to trust and obey and go with the process, then he shows you this is why I did that. And then it's like all the things downloading. Um, and that, that, is why, that is why I do this. That is why we now can call ourselves missionaries and plan to move there and to do this work because God. And it's easy, but it's still hard. Don't get me wrong. And I, I just want to be able to look back on a month in India or three months in India or three years in India and say, God trusted me with a little bit and he can trust me with a lot. And honestly, uh, you know, right now that looks like raising my kids. I think God um, kind of just showed me one day, Shalem has a very specific calling on his life, I believe, and that is to be working with the people of India with that ministry. The calling on my life that I feel right now is to be a mom and a wife and to love the people around me, and that can be done anywhere. Um, but unless we, like, sprout a population of India here, <laughs> you know, like, we know where our destination is. And I just, uh, my sister encouraged that with me of, like, what's in front of you? Like, what are you called to do just right in front of you? It may not feel like the most spiritual or the most fulfilling or the most enriching. Um, and it's hard because it feels mundane, you know? It feels like sometimes kind of pointless and useless to change another diaper and to deal with another tantrum and to take another nap. But it's like, that's what God has called me to right now. And so I'm going to obey with that and trust that he's going to be faithful in that. So switching gears just a little bit, um, I do want to talk about two things that I got to specifically be a part of. In Traveling in India is very, very rigorous. And I know before we left, some people asked, you know, well, Shalem's doing preaching, but what is Grace doing? And I will happily stay home and watch the children. Um, just because it is so rigorous, I mean, they'll be, they'll be up in the morning at like 6 a.m. They'll travel seven hours. They'll do a couple preaching. They'll travel six hours back. They'll be up at five the next morning. I mean, his dad runs a tight ship. <laughs> so he got to kind of be the the face of us as a couple, but I did get to do a couple things. Um, one thing that I got to be a part of that I really wanted to do was specifically using some of the funds that you guys had um, given us, and we got to go to a village of an unreached people group, and I've always heard that term, and um, basically it's this group called the Koya people who in private still practice human sacrifices. Um, I mean, you don't see it when we're standing there with them, but that is their village and their culture. Um, and so we got to, oh boy, I don't even know how far we traveled. We took a bus, we took a boat, we took a train, maybe a car. I mean, probably all forms of transportation to get to these people. Um, and then we got to bless around 100 people with various things. So we passed out bags of rice. We, for like family units, we got to pass out new saris for women. We got to pass out blankets for families to keep, it's coming into winter time. Um, 
and we sent home, uh, we sent back a video of that. So I don't know how many people got to watch that in church, but we did send just a little clip of what we got to do there. And that was really, really special. Um, and then the second thing that I got to be a part of was my sister-in-law's micro business. Now, uh, before we went, Sherry Widener and my mom were part of this lady sewing group. And they said, what can we make to send with you? I thought, oh, you know, I don't, I don't really know. So we came up with maybe some like rugs, some area rugs, some pot holders, and just some like really simple bags, um, like over the shoulder, like fabric bags. And so I had like half a suitcase of these things that were the most beautiful things you've ever seen. Um, and I held on to them for so long. Um, and I kept asking my mother and father-in-law, because in order for me to do anything, it has to kind of be arranged, obviously. So I kept saying, I have these, these bags that I would love to pass out to church members or widows, you know, however you see fit. And it was like, okay, okay, okay. Time went on, time went on, and I never got to pass these out, right, until the very last week. And my sister-in-law says, hey, I have this micro-business where we hire like 15 to 20 women a month and they come and we give them a project to do. So often that's like making earrings or putting together bangles. They give them kind of something to work on for a day and then they pay them in return. She goes, do you wanna come and like be our guest speaker and like see what we do? I said, okay, sure. So I got to go, I got to share um, a little devotional. I got to sing a song with them and got to be surrounded by 15 of these women who have come from like abusive backgrounds, who um, just, you know, come from a whole array of marital problems, family problems. Some are widows. And that was one, this is a side note, but um, if you become a widow or a widower, um, you can't get remarried. It's a very shameful thing. And so I met women who their husband died when they were 27 years old and they've raised their children by themselves. Um, and so I got to, you know, through translation, hear a little bit of their stories and to pray with them. And I managed to grab my bag of goodies that the sewing club had made for me. And I'm, you know, looking through it in there. So they start coming up to receive. So I told my sister-in-law, I said, I would love to pass out these gifts that I had for them. And this is one of those things that, like, as I was trying to prepare this, I was like, oh, that was God. How cool. Because I'm passing out. I had bundled them where they got, you know, two hot pads and a bag. And as I'm passing them out, I'm like getting to the end of my bag and there's still a line of women, right? And by the very end, I, it, there was just enough, just enough loaves and fishes, right? Of I had 15 bags left and there were 15 women there that all received this beautiful bag. And it was just, I know it sounds so simple, but it was so cool to see not only my heart fulfilled and like being able to bless them with what I had received from our group, um, but just seeing that, that perfect amount of like, God's going to provide, like, why are you worrying about this? Like, why are you freaking out when we know that God is good and that he's going to provide? Um, and a lot of them had shown up with their, you know, their wallet and their Bible and everything in grocery bags. And even before we left, they were like tossing those things out and <laughs> refilling their bags and hanging them over their shoulders. And it was just the sweetest thing. So yeah, a specific thank you to Sherry Widener and Jackie White for, um, just being a special part of that blessing. 
So that's all I have for now. We do have a small video that we kind of put together of a little bit of the other social work that we've done. You know, Shalem will talk more about a lot of the like pastors and churches and training side. Um, but it is, it's all intermixed of when you're given an opportunity to love somebody, that could mean giving a blanket, a scarf, training a pastor. There's a whole gambit. So we have a little video of what um, some of that social work looked like. Hi, TSC family. I'm here with Simono and Diamifiru. We are helping them today with a goat. Today, celebrating a water well here in this village called Vendrakola. TSC family, I'm here with these ladies. We are providing them with chickens. This is a clean water, so this would be a huge blessing for the gospel would be shared through this when people come. The family boarding us, so we are able to help and support these families here in India. This will be a huge blessing for them, so that God can be glorified and they can show them the God's love. Thank you once again for helping us. God bless you. Hopefully, we get to share more when we come to US. Thank you so much uh, uh, once again for TSE family for helping and supporting us. So it was a huge blessing for the people of India. Uh, my wife took a lot of time. <laughs> she said 10 minutes and I get 10 minutes. And I do love her, that's right. I'm working on it. No, I'm just kidding, no. Uh, it has been a huge blessing, yes, uh, God has uh, you know, taught us in our marriage, you know, when you live in a different culture, and uh, three months of time, you can teach, learn, and many things. Um, and we, before we went, it was just me and Grace, but this time we have two more, two kids, two more people to take care of them. So it is different, and, but God has uh, not only worked in the ministry, but also worked in our lives as a, you know, husband and wife, as a missionaries, what it takes to work in a different culture. It's... Uh, uh, but we praise God. God has been good and taught us and is growing us in our relationship with him and even with, with us. And we have, we have been blessed. Uh, uh, well, uh, I'm going to, as we know, we thought of going for two months. And, but God had a different plan and we were able to be there three months. First two months has been really busy months for us. Uh, in a Shalom Ministries, and uh, we didn't get to spend any time with the family. So we we like, Lord, if they will, you know, help us to stay another week, and uh, God helped us with another month, uh, we were able to do that. So I'm going to highlight very few uh, things very quick, and we move on. Uh, and the month when we reached there, uh, it was November, at the beginning of the November, and usually in November we have a cross, uh, Shalom Gospel Crusade or convention where all the churches and believers, they come, as you have seen the video, and it was amazing. And we had a guest speaker, and one of the guest speakers, it was me. I was able to share uh, the gospel, and we have people have come to the Lord, and we had baptisms too. So we praise God for that. And we also celebrated my dad's birthday on that in November. Uh, he, he was turning 60. 
And uh, yeah, he, uh, he, 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 I mean, everybody, you know, when you're 60, you still feel young. So he was young. He felt very young. And he, at the same time, he complained about standing for too long. <laughs> uh, but we thank God that God has used in November. And not only conventions we had, uh, traveling we did, we visited children's homes and widows. Uh, we worked with the different pastors with different churches. I think I left my phone there. Uh, uh, I had a countdown how many, apart from, uh, let me stay, uh, come back a little bit. Now, a regular, a normal week in India, as I said, our ministry is mixed with uh, the family. So a normal week would look like this. Sunday, we have three services. Sunday, we have three services. Monday, we have a cottage meeting. And Wednesday, we have a Zoom meeting for all the ministries, people who are joining uh, for the Shalom Ministries. And on Saturdays, we have intercession prayers. And Sunday, we go back to again three services. So at least we get to hear a sermon six times in a week. Six times I have to be in part of the prayer. So that's very normal. Apart from that, we still have, uh, we, we attended three weddings, three housewarming dedications, one baby shower, a naming ceremony, and three memorial, including my grandfather's. Uh, on January 8th, uh, he went to be with the Lord. And two engagements. And one, uh, I don't know, we don't celebrate here in America culture, but in Indian culture, when someone becomes older as a woman, uh, they celebrate that in our culture. So uh, just to give a glimpse, it wasn't just, uh, just a regular prayer, but we, I was able to be part of this. All this I'm saying is this. Uh, you know, when you go to missions field, you have agenda. You think, oh, this is what I'm going to do. But when I go back to India, I kind of prepared my mind. I also know that I'm not going to go with my agenda. I'm going to go work with the pastors. I'm going to work with the ministry, what it has already been doing and what God is already doing in India. So it was a very neat experience for me to go back and work with pastors in India, especially because, and my favorite, one of the highlight of the thing was in month of December with the Christmas gospel trip. It is a month, it's a very busy month. We visit from four villages to at least eight villages. We travel from next village to which as a team, and uh, we share the gospel. And it was a very neat experience for me, because since I've been in the Christmas gospel trip, it's almost been uh, seven years. The, since I came to America, I didn't get to, I didn't have an opportunity. We went once on December, but it was a wedding season. We, went, we got married in December, so. It was busy, we didn't get to travel. But after seven years, a lot have changed in the ministry. People have changed, culture has changed, internet, social media, whatever you want to look like, the people have changed and Imre India has grown differently. So it was a very neat experience as, and I feel I'm more mature too, the more understanding, you know, where the culture works and more the ministry is done. So it was a neat opportunity for me, especially the three things, we, uh, I would like to highlight, first was working with pastors. When we go in December, each pastor has their own region. So we travel in those regions for a week. And then we go to another week to another pastors. And sometimes we go to two regions of two pastors in one week. So almost we travel 100 villages, more than 100 villages. And as you know, I was mentioning that my dad told me to prepare for 90 sermons to preach 90 times. But it didn't happen. I preached 48 times. Uh, you might be wondering, what did I preach? 
what, what was it? So it, it's, it's, it's not easy, at the, at the same time it is easy. Because I started with a life of story of Joseph being a righteous man. Then you see he's being the Emmanuel, the, the angel speaks to him. Um, I'm trying to give just tip notes, like what I spoke, a sermon, just to get an idea. Then we go to the second chapter in the Matthew, and you see the wise men coming to and giving themselves the gold, mirror. And now that we go to Luke, you know, the, the angels and the Mary being worried about, but there's anything impossible for God, angel telling them, and the the, the, the Shepherd being afraid, you know, do not be afraid. And you see, so I was able to end from Isaiah, be the prophecy, he's a promise. So I was able to preach all this. So I'm not trying to say, hey, what I preach. I'm not trying to say that, but I'm just saying to say that uh, this many sermons God has used to share this gospel. And through this Christmas gospel ministries, people have come to the Lord. And usually when we do Christmas gospel, when we go to village, we usually stand outside of the village. We have a people, we gather. So people come here, that we'll sing a song. But this time, it wasn't the same thing. This time, we have to do prayers inside the house. And there are some occasions you might see in the pictures. We have some gospel crusade meetings outside. However, we have to get permission from politicians first. Second, from the ground people, from the, from the municipal leader, then the landowner. And the, from the police, because we have the mics screaming out uh, when we sing a song. So we have been able to have three conventions, one uh, like gospel crusades outside. However, most of the gospel crusades was a little different than usually what it used to be. Because our government has uh, restricted of any religious practice outside in public. So, and even they're forcing, I would like to, uh, maybe, maybe this, uh, even they're forcing even the church, like any house meetings, this is right now, it's happening in the Supreme Court, that any religious practice that need to be done, it should be done in your own temples, not even in your houses. So pastor not supposed to come and have a prayer meeting in the house. He's not able to hear, invite any neighbors or friends. No, if you want to do anything, you go to your temple. Everybody has. So they're trying to cut short how the gospel can be shared even within the, in the hometowns or within the neighbors. So, however... But it's still the, the case, Supreme Court, the case is happening, but God has been so good that we are able to, not able to go to each village and do it in the center of the village, but we are able to do in one of the believers' house so that people still can come and hear the gospel. And people did hear the gospel and people did come to know the Lord. So this, God has definitely uh, used uh, us as a couple, as a families, and it was very interesting and very neat to see how God is using the pastors in these regions. Are you all with me? Am I going too fast? Are you able to follow me? I'm sorry, this is missionary talk right here. Uh, so it's very neat to in, just see the pastors, their struggle, their, uh, their, uh, their, the victories they have, and the, the, how they deal with the people, with the society, with the leaders. So as I know, as I'm going along with these pastors, just hearing, and what God, how God is doing in their lives, individual lives, at the same time, how God is using them in the societies, in the villages. And uh, it was very neat for me to see. And I, God has put a new, like, spirit, you know, 
to go back. I want to go back and help these pastors. And I had a neat opportunity with me and my brother to meet some pastors' conferences and be able to talk to the pastors how we can do things a little different. Because my grandfather have done it, my father have done it, now things have been changing. So how we can reach more people, how we can be more strategic, we're able to discuss and talk about those things. And it was a very neat to pray together and encourage us. So God has put in our heart, in my heart especially, uh, while I was talking to people and visiting their regions, their people, that I want to go back and be part of this. This is where I belong. You know, in other words, would say, I felt that. So God is called us there. So, so this is one of the neat experiences. Not only that, but also Bible training. We have uh, a Bible training group. They come every Monday. They get trained. It's not only the, for, the, for the pastors, for the lay leaders. And we have started this through Living on the Edge uh, ministry. They have partnered with some, pa some other ministries in India. So we are, my dad was able to contact them, and we have this biblical material, and we're using to train these pastors right now. So uh, they're having, on Mondays, they're having the, the training, and during the week, they work with their pastors. At the end of six months, and uh, it's a once a semi-annual, we have a graduation, and uh, I forgot to put the graduation pictures. Uh, we have a graduation certificate of the training. So it has been huge blessing. So I want to be part of that. And I want to take what I've learned, the training, and I want to train these pastors uh, and be part of them and see how God would increase this ministry and how people can come to know the Lord through our ministry. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is one of the hallelujah. hallelujah. This is how keep attention and people wake people from the sleep. <laughs> so in the fall, this is the Indian trick. Because as Grace said, yes, ser sermons goes minimum one hour. If you don't do that, you don't feel like you were in church. <laughs> you have to be in church that you have to soak in so much. So this is a very neat experience. First was meeting pastors and seeing how they have done. Because seven years I have not seen that. And a neat opportunity to share the gospel. And the thirdly was just to, uh, and uh, just like, um, uh, sorry, the second was like how the training program, you know, I want to be part of the training program to encourage our new generation, new leaders, and be passionate about what God is doing. And God is working in India. It's, it's miraculous. The people who take step in faith, they're going against their religion, they're against their families and their societies. And the faith is amazing. They would not, no, but I would not even give up my, uh, any comfort or many, my land, even people, like for uh, the people would chase you out of your own house and your own land, farmland, because you believe in different God. If you want to be, uh, if you want to be in this, your own house and you work on your land, you have to be with the same, with the same religion. You have to be the same part. If you have to be, they chase you out. So there are so many radical people who are uh, been chased out, and but still they're holding on to the faith and they pray to God. Uh, so we have seen people like that who radically loving, trusting God and giving their life. So God is working, as you said. You know, many people ministries are working, and it's a very another very opportunity for me was traveling with my dad. My dad sometimes people uh, in different organizations, not only our Shalom ministry. There's a different organization, different ministries who works, and my dad goes as a chief guest or. Uh, goes as a speaker. So it was very neat for me to go uh, meet different other pastors from our other ministries and just to talk to them and just to see the same goal and same passion and building the God's kingdom. So before I end, before I end this, I would like to share 
one of my first message, uh, just few words, like highlights of what, uh, when I went to back to India, one of my first sermons was on Matthew chapter 16 from 13 to 20 verses where Jesus and disciple, Jesus having a talk with the disciples. What Jesus asked the disciples, what do you say, what do people say about me? Like, who do you say I am? And some people say he is a, uh, uh, John or Elijah and Jeremiah. Then he looks at Peter and say, says, what do you say who I am? And Peter says, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, yes, you, yes, you are right, Peter. This is not revealed to you because of flesh and the blood, but it is given to you by the Father. And the same question I would like to challenge you today. If God is asking you who I am, I, who, who, who do you think I am? What would be your answer? Because people tend to have their own imagination God. I mean, I've seen even in India, because we have so many gods, sometimes they come to Christ and they have their own understanding of their own God because Jesus is one of other, one God. And so, but here is, is like, I don't know what your life is today. I just want like encourage like, if God, Jesus is asking you, what is your answer? What do you say about Jesus? Who do you think Jesus is? And we, if, you, if you're able to say, like Peter, you are the son of the living God, then if you believe what he says, then your life is different. Your life reflects every area of your life. Your life will be changed if you can say that you are my living God. So today, I would encourage you to, to check our hearts, who is Jesus to you? And also, the beautiful thing about this is the, the next verse in, in the chapter, in the, in the 18th verse, we see that he says that, on this rock, I will build my church. This is the first word, the word church is appeared in the entire Bible. So when you believe, so we, are, we get to be the part of that church right now. So, hallelujah. So, so everybody who, uh, who is in... Uh, says he is the Lord. And also we see in 2 Corinthians, Paul is talking to the Corinthians, that whoever takes part of this, the church, the body, which is, you know, the body is the Jesus bread, who are part of the, as a body, we take our communion. And we have, to, we have God has given a rule. Uh, a commandment is that you share, proclaim until his coming. So if we believe that we are belong to this church, which God, Jesus has built, and if you are part of this body, you are part of the communion, breaking the bread, and we are called to proclaim until he's coming. So it's not a pastor's job alone. It's everybody's job. Pastor, and if you, if you see um, in, uh, uh, in, in John, I think he's still Jesus speaking to Peter, and like, if you love me, feed my sheep. So if you love, then we, let's listen to God. So this is, this is one of my first sermon, and it has I preached during a November month. So I just want to encourage you that if you are part of God, if you call he's the son of living God, he's not dead God, a living God. A lot of gods in Hindu, they have eyes, they don't see, they have nose, they don't breathe, they have mouth. They don't eat. A lot of uh, religious functions, they bring food to these idols, thinking that this God would eat them. But our God is a living God, and that's the truth. And so I would encourage you that if we if you say that, our, it affects every area of your life. Our, so he's our source. He's not a secondary source. He's the first source. And if you're part of that, we are part of this, his body on his, his church, then we have to proclaim until he comes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Thank you, Pastor Sean, for this opportunity. Thank you, guys. And thank you for praying for us. And we really felt your prayers carrying through us.
I got to try that when I start going long on my sermon. Hallelujah! Does that work? It works. Great. It's good. Will you stand with me? Let's close our service with a passage uh, I was thinking of as they were up here. Uh, God is good. Amen. Jesus said in uh, Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in, his, in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands and in the age to come eternal life. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here this evening or this morning. <laughs> It was so awesome. Uh, two things before we go. First, uh, this is the beginning of our, uh, our uh, Gospel uh, Impact Week, uh, Global Mission Week, excuse me. So uh, we've got uh, a missionary that's going to be here all week in, a, in different small groups and on Wednesday night with our youth group and that kind of stuff. If you would like to be a part of that, please uh, contact somebody that's a part of that small group during the week and, and go and do that. Or men's group, I think they're going to be, he's going to be at as well. Uh, so uh, we'd love for that. But also next week we'll have uh, Aaron and Rhoda uh, um, Steinert's with us, and they'll be sharing in the service as well. Uh, anyway, so take part of that. Second thing, if you'd like prayer this morning, just because we went a little bit long, don't rush out. If you feel like the Lord has brought you here today to get some prayer, we've got folks that would love to pray for you, so please come forward for prayer. Finally, go Chiefs. All right. <laughs>